Hello, I'm Chuck Akins, the host of Deciphering Digital, and welcome to the first ever episode where we're going to decode EEAT with David Yarian. Uh, David uh, and I got the chance to work together for over six years at uh, a digital marketing agency that I owned here in Denver, Colorado called Volume 9. Uh, he did move on and uh, start, build, and ultimately sell uh, a company, uh, agency called uh, the SEO department uh, with over 15 years of experience, both in digital marketing, but a lot of depth in both SEO and content strategy. Uh, I'm excited to have uh, David here as our first ever guest, where we are going to start to dig in to EEAT. Let's dive right into it. What is it? What is EAT? Why is it important? EAT. E-A-T, or these days E-E-A-T, I think the quickest answer to that question is it's a really bad, annoying acronym. Thank you, Google, for uh, giving us that one. We didn't make up EAT, right? That's a, it's a pure Google thing. And Chuck said it stands for uh, expertise, authority, and trust. Or these days, too, the, the newest E to add to the bad acronym is experience. Um, so to start at kind of the 30,000 foot level here, here's how I think about eat, right? Google's trying to do, and, and these days, increasingly, everybody's trying to do through AI. They're trying to mimic with math and with algorithms, what you and I sort of intuitively know just as humans. So an example, when we come to a web page or we come to a video or we come to a piece of content, we can really quickly determine like, is this content good? Does this person know what they're talking about or not? Or, or another way to, to use the acronym is like, like, does it feel like this person actually or this website has experience with what they're talking about? Do they feel like they're authoritative with what they're talking about? Are they trustworthy as I listen to them? Do they have any kind of experience with the topic? And, you know, I feel like as humans, we're really good at ascertaining that really quickly and then deciding if we want to engage with the content or not. So what EAT is as Google's attempt with math to sort of recognize that same thing, whether it's with your content or your website as a whole, they're trying to answer that question. Is this something worth putting in front of my users so that they can see that, you know, result in the search engine or YouTube search or whatever. Um, so from the highest level, that's how I like to think about it is just yeah. going like, like, is your site good? Does it represent some of these core things that matter to us when we're engaging with anything on the internet? Yeah. So you mentioned in there, um, you know, we as humans know how to do this. And obviously with machine learning, you know, and, and with AI, Google is using everything at their power, the algorithms, the AI to, to, to kind of simulate what we might do as humans. So can you give a few examples of what Google might, what, what might a developer or engineer or if the AI is training the AI, what, what are they looking for? Let's go down the list of the, the acronym, right? And do some examples. So start with experience or excuse me, expertise. We'll start with that one. So some examples of expertise is like when you're on your site, are you demonstrating that your content reflects a high level of expertise in the subject matter at hand, right? So it's things like, do you have highly qualified authors? Do you have professionals in the field? Do you have true experts? Are you the expert? that's somehow talking about these things in a way that, that demonstrates to whomever, whether it's a machine or a person, that this is more than just some blog that was put out there on the internet. Um, those are some of the ways that you might get into expertise. 
uh, authoritativeness, that's a very like SEO-y type word. But one way to think about that is, is, you know, it relates to, are you the perceived authority of influence within the respective fields? Or, you know, one way that could be measured to go back to your question is like, I, I always like to tell people this, you know, Google or people care what you say about yourself, i.e. the content that you've produced, but they also care about maybe even more so, what does everybody else say about you? What, what, are, what are things like, do you have backlinks pointed to your site? Are, are they seeing things like awards or accolades? Are you posted on other blogs out there on the internet? Are you on multiple platforms? All these things sort of contribute to, towards this, you know, this word authority that is used. And, you know, all else being equal, which it never is, but all else being equal, if, if you're saying something, someone else is saying something, but you've got all these external sources of authority that are sort of validating who you are and what you're saying, that's really going to play in your favor. Um, so a lot of details we get into there, but that's what the authority piece looks like. And then really when you get into the trust, I, I mean, trustworthiness is in some ways it's maybe the most subjective because we feel a sense of trust when we're at, interacting with content, but there's also really core things you can do on your site to help build that trustworthiness. Like, are you talking about yourself? Do you have good pages that explain about us, your company mission and vision, right? Who are your people? Um, getting into actual details about your products and services that go beyond just trying to sell something. All those little things are indicators of trust that can be built in this relationship as we're interacting with content. Um, and you put all those together and it adds up to, to something pretty good. Probably the last one and the newest one, this uh, experience, you know, a lot of that has to do with how long have you been doing this and can you demonstrate but maybe your website's been around for a long time, you've been doing content for a long time, or you're just telling people we've been in this industry for a long time. Those are some specific examples of how you can demonstrate the experience you have um, for what you're doing. Okay. Well, I want to I want to dive into each one of those a little bit more, but before we do that, like when it comes to SEO and content, whether it be written, images, video, whatever, whatever the content is. Why should I care about this? Like, is it, how important is something like EAT in the overall success of my SEO program? Like, is it the most important thing? Is it a nice to have? Like, where does it, where does it fit? Like, like, why should I care about this? Like, how important is it? You know, it's, it's, it's an interesting question because when people think SEO, they're, everybody's, everybody's interested in finding like, what is the most important thing? And, and there's a lot of industry experts that are saying things like, you know, produce the content or do tricks and trip tricks and tips on your site. And like, I think at the core eat is probably the most important thing. And, it, and it's a, it's hard because it is a very general concept, but the way I think about it at the end of the day is like, is your content good or not? And eat is a really good way to measure how good your content is, how, how high the quality of it is, how trustworthy it is, all these adjectives that kind of get thrown around. But to me, it's like, I, I think that the internet's become a really crowded place. There's a lot of crap on the internet. We all know that. We can find junk anywhere. It's in the same vein, it's increasingly more difficult to find people who are trustworthy that you want to listen to and you're worth following. Mm -hmm. There's a you know major skepticism of brands and corporate, right? So all that to me adds up to like, you know, the internet's become a much more hostile place, if you will, or maybe not hostile is the right word, but like we as consumers are, are just BS meters a lot higher for anything mm -hmm. that we're consuming. And, and in my opinion, AI makes it like 10 times worse because who knows where anything came from. So all that to say, I think that makes a pretty compelling case that eat 
and, and focusing on these concepts that that's building your expertise and your authority and trust with your audience is probably the most important thing you can do, especially when it's in the medium of your content. Um, Cause if you're not doing that, that like what else are you doing? Um, right. So I think it's critical. And, and you could also make an industry case, which we'll get into that, you know, this is the way Google is like honing in on this stuff too, which further uh, makes it important. But just from like an audience standpoint, I think it's, it's critical. Great. Okay. So, um, let's let's transition to how you've got me i'm i'm convinced that uh eats important i know google thinks about it i know visitors to my website or they interact with my brand think about it like they want to they, they're worried about trust and in different things related to eat All right how do i do this so maybe maybe we could break it down even we can try a little bit one section at a time um, and I know that some of them are overlap. So let's go back in the order that, that you talked about them. What might be one way that I could show that I'm an expert or establish expertise in my brand? Um, I think you mentioned, uh, you know, real people. I mean, is that a, is that a way to show expertise and experience? Yes, because because we're much more likely to trust real people, especially yeah. if we do believe that they're experts. Mm -hmm. Okay. Um, so I, I think one way to do it in that example is uh, show off your people, right? If you're, if you're writing a blog post or any piece of content, attribute the authorship to it. Talk about who's writing this. Talk about why. Okay. They okay. So when I attribute, do I need to, I mean, let's get, let's get real specific here. Do I need to link to them? Do I need to show a picture of them? Do I need a bio? Do I need all of that stuff? Like, how do I, what does attribution mean? How would Google know that this is an expert? Yeah. So, so let me use an example. I work with a bunch of financial firms, right? Uh, RAs and, and big investment firms. And uh, trust is is huge for them, more so than almost any industry, because it's people's money, right? And Google even has a term for this, your money or your life. So like health-related topics, financial-related okay. topics, that's the highest bar for these sorts of things. In the financial industry, especially, I'm not actually if I'm if I'm bringing on an investment advisor, I'm not actually that interested in in what the firm can do as a whole or or secret sauce programs. I mean, I kind of care about that stuff, but what I really care about is that person who I'm talking to quarterly or monthly or whatever that I'm trusting my money with. Do they know what they're talking about? Are they an expert? Are they someone I can trust? So, what we've tried to do is for a lot of these sites I've worked with is put them, put their story, put their information on the website. So have a strong bio page. Don't just have a little quick paragraph. Talk about their certifications. Talk about their fields of expertise. Talk about, you know, give pictures, right? Um, you know, you don't have to go a full resume, but actually some folks do, right? Like for some of the accounting firms I've worked with, they give a full resume. So put all that stuff. That's a great first step. Talk about your people, you know, tell me, as the audience, why this person can be believed. And then you can le you can lean back on some of that stuff. Like if, if they've written a post, yeah, put a bio line at the bottom of the post, link them back to that about us page. Okay. Um, you know, same thing if they're out there on the internet, like in the financial space, you know, there's a, there's a, a big PR world to sort of, uh, 
you know, like get a quote from someone and, and they'll be featured in an article, but then it links them back to your site where you can learn out more, not just about the firm, but about this individual. Those are some examples of how you can really build right. a personalized okay. trust in people with the content. Okay. Well, that, no, that makes sense. So, so it sounds like a, a starting spot would be, yes, you want your, it sounds like you, you want your content connected to a person. Mm-hmm. Like I, I think entity in, in, in the schema world, in the, the way a, a computer person might think about this, like, okay, it's a person. And then what you're saying is if they're out there being featured on other sites, or if they're, I don't know, just, just active on the internet and they have experience and expertise, Google can, Google can sense all of that. They can figure that out. Um, and, uh, and I, and I guess what you're saying also, it, 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 it serves the purpose of, uh, I mean, it's good for the brand and it's good for marketing as well as good for eat and SEO. So that's great. So moving on, let, let's jump into um, authority. Because uh, authority, I have a feeling, could actually be different for a brand. Expertise and experience sounded like it might be around a person, whether it's the financial advisor or founder of the you know, of the company or just, just whatever, right? That, that feels like a person. What does authority look like in eat? Authority is a tricky one to me because I think a lot of SEOs like to fall back on the idea of link building, right? Like <laughs> you can measure authority through how many links you have to your website or what what kinds of websites link to you. And and that's true to an extent still, but that's that sort of field has been so manipulated and spammed and, uh, you know, that it, it gets tricky. So that's one thing right off the top, it's important to explain, I think that it's it's not just about building links. It's, uh, I, I, I rather these days, I'm thinking about authority more in terms of your brand presence out there on the internet. This is something I think all people do, but marketers forget, right? Like if we're gonna buy something or we're gonna go with the company or we're evaluating something, more often than not, I will do third-party vetting on that thing before I make a purchase or whatever. Or like a joke these days is, you know, the best Google search is to type whatever you want and then type Reddit at the end of it. Because you can get a Reddit thread that actually gives you objective advice as opposed to all the BS Mm -hmm. that's out there. So, you know, how does that relate to authority? Well, I think you need to be thinking about where are all the places that my brand or my product shows up on the internet? What, What are other people saying about it? Um, you know, it's a little bit of reputation management, right? Like, is, is there good or bad news out there? But, but it's also like, does my footprint across the totality of the internet show that I'm an authority in any way? So there's a lot of specific examples. Like, do I have social prof- profiles? Am I on Crunchbase? Um, am I doing anything out there where my people or my voice is being heard on third-party sites? Uh, awards and accolades is a huge one that I think people leave out a lot, right? That can come from these third-party sources. It's it's all these different spots on the internet where someone might find you or vet you. That's where you need to be thinking about your brand presence and being being active in those spaces, not just for the sake of building links, but for the sake of creating a healthy, strong brand footprint that speaks to your authority everywhere. Like one rhetorical question I'll, I'll often ask people is if Google didn't exist, where would you get your traffic from? Right. That's great. And the answer to that question is usually a pretty good spot to go plant your flag in all these little places, you know, it has the benefit of you might actually drive some good traffic from it, but more importantly, you're, you're helping build your authority and your brand presence in all these spots that matter. Yeah. So it, it sounds like that uh, possibly, and I, I, I don't want to mix channels, but 
it really is about your reach across the internet yeah. in a particular space. I don't want to say a niche, but in today's world, it is often a niche. Like, are you an authority in that niche? Yep. And how would I know it? Well, if you're out there participating and communicating in all the conversations across the internet on that, or the more often you are, you would be authoritative. Exactly. Uh, and one thing that, you know, this, uh, recently, you know, when asked a question about how authoritative do you need to be? I, I jokingly said, well, who's the most authoritative? Let's get ahead of them. Yeah. <laughs> right. So it's not that you have to be perfect in this. But when you're at, you know, I, I like to think that when you're out there competing with other brands for the attention of the audience and you're wanting to rank well in the algorithms and here specifically, we're talking about Google, you just you, you need to be better than your competition. Mm -hmm. So one, you got to figure out what that is. And then two, um, you know, but you got to get out there. That's what you're saying. Get out there on the Internet and uh, uh, and, and show up. Uh, you got it. You got You don't you don't. You, that's how you get authority. And it will result in backlinks and different things like that. But that that that's just a that's a cause and effect um, of being out there and being active. So good. Um, well, you know what's interesting about that is that when you think about eat or what happens for me, expertise and authority, with expertise being somewhat a person, with authority being a bit more of a brand, I sort of feel like being an expert in authority starts to build the trust. Like I, I, even as, as I heard you talk, I, I saw, I heard some trust signals in there, but maybe specifically assuming brand and authority is in place. How can I go about building trust to the algorithm, right? And, and with people, but because we know the algorithm is trying to simulate people uh, in their thought processes for search intent, but yeah, how do, how might I establish trust on the internet as a brand? Well, it starts with not being spammy. Let's throw that out there. You, uh, that's, that's the best way to lose trust, right? Right. So spammy means spamming a bunch of content, trying to do things just for the sake of the algorithm. On a similar note too, you know, if you're going to add heavy or you're trying to, you know, uh, push affiliates or something and the like that, that often will hurt your trust. But on the flip side, I think it's important to, to demonstrate things like you want to be really transparent with who you are and what you're saying. You want to provide accurate information, you want to provide helpful information. You want to have really clear things like your privacy policy and your terms of use and you're disclosing what you're talking about. You want to always avoid misleading or deceptive content, um, those kinds of core things. I, I think specifically, though, especially in, in today's world, um, I think trust, a lot of it comes down to having something that's actually useful to people and helpful to people. The mistake that I see brands make like forever is everybody's so excited to talk about themselves or to talk about their product or to talk about their service or whatever. They're excited to sell in some version. It's very rare to find someone who's producing content that's not solely focused on just selling or pushing an agenda, even if it's not bad, it's just pushing something. I think trust is earned when when you find content that's actually helpful. Like, oh, this actually helped help me outside of your brand, outside of your company. You just provided something I needed that was useful to me. I know how to engage. I can figure out how to engage with you later if I need it. Right. But start with producing something useful to the world, producing something that's genuinely useful to your audience. Because I think intuitively we all know like like there's so much crap on the internet. As soon as we find someone that's actually giving us good information, the trust comes really fast um, yeah, because like we can, it passes like the that. sniff test.
Okay. Well, let me see if I can oversimplify here. And I, I, this is, this is a new thought. So, um, if I don't get it quite right, but, uh, expertise sounds like it's about the person. The authority feels like it's about the brand. The only way you can have trust is from the user, from the audience. They are the gauge. Uh, if you put helpful content out there that authentically is there to serve them, not as a lead gen magnet, but there to serve them and what they're interested in, that's how you build. That could be the way to build trust. So you kind of have, uh, to paraphrase again, uh, expertise and experience is about a person. Authority is often about the brand and trust can only be earned from your audience. And then that fourth letter experience in a lot of ways undergirds all three of those because if you've if you've got the experience you've been doing it for a while you've been in the space it's only going to further support each one of those in the ways you just described yeah well good let's do a little rapid fire here i, I want to get your opinion um and it will be it will be in a lot of different directions but uh, I'll, I'll try to tie it back to eat and all of these questions are around implementation so you can yes know them add commentary whatever you want to do so how might Google My Business fit into this? I think it's important because Google My Business often functions as a storefront for branded searches. So you got to have it complete. You got to have it buttoned up. You got to have good reviews on there, especially relative to competition. It's usually one of the first spots people see things about you. So I, while it might not be directly related, it you can you can establish all of the EAT factors with a great Google My Business profile. For you personally. At the moment, because it could change next week, hmm. how do you view the use of AI either to create or help create content? And then what tool have you either used or, or do you use? I'll try to keep it short because I have strong opinions on this one and I'm very, I'm, I go very much against the industry. Uh, someone once told me recently there was a bunch of AI produced content that came out about their subject. And she said, wow, this AI content is amazing and I would never want to read it. <laughs> um, which to me, I feel like sums up the use of AI. I, I continue to think AI can be, in this context, can be really helpful for generating ideas, for coming up with outlines and you know, almost from a brainstorm perspective. Personally, I think marketers in general have gone way over the deep end, jumped the shark, whatever you want to say to thinking that AI is a magic bullet when it comes to eat. And I just don't think it is because I think usually what's produced trends more on the side of overly optimized junk versus humanized, helpful, interesting content. A lot more we could say there, but you know, there's some great tools to help. Absolutely. And some amazing tools, but in general, I think an over-reliance on AI can produce a bunch of stuff. I don't know that it's going to necessarily in a lot of cases, get you exactly what you want out of human interaction with people. What tools have you used in your in your research to 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 have your opinion on AI? Um, can you can you name a few? Yeah, Surfer SEO um, is like a great optimization platform. You know, of course, ChatGPT, and there's a there's a number of um, like prompt generators that can help you get what you want a little more directly there. Um, you know, some of the standard Google tools are starting to incorporate a little bit of AI. It's funny you asked about Google My Business. Actually, there was an AI prompt this morning to, you know, there's a, a widget in there now to help you optimize your business subscription. Um, 
so it, it's such a, as you mentioned, it's such a fast and evolving thing that, uh, you know, anyone who says they're an expert on it is lying because nobody is. But, uh, you know, those are some of the tools um, that are out there. And there's a bunch of different content tools that can be used right now to, to generate some of this. I know you're, you've, you've used a lot more of them than I have probably at this point. So. Yeah, I have. I, I try to. I try to explore a, a, a tool a day if I can. Um, and I've found even for basic use cases, about a thirty percent success rate at does the tool deliver on what it promised when I opened, you know, when I when I logged in. Mm -hmm. So because you got to log in and you do a you know seven day trial whatever, and I, about thirty percent of the time it'll do what it is. But uh, you know, the as a as a technologist. I'll circle back on some of these and uh, watch them evolve. Um, but I'm, I do have my, uh, I, I, I do interact with AI quite a bit. Um, and uh, there are definite pros and cons to it all. And that's an entirely different conversation that um, <laughs> we could have and go down there. So when I'm thinking about what type of content to produce, um, how might I go about planning out my content in a way that would support EAT when it's published and promoted onto the internet? I have that stupid little test. I call it a test. I don't know if it's a test. It's a personal benchmark. I call, I call it the you test, right? And I, or the me test, we could say. I, I always just like to ask the question, you know, would you be interested in reading or interacting with the content you have planned that you're going to come out to say with or to personalize it? Would I be interested in the content that I might be planning or come out with? And Surprisingly, I think a lot of the times if you ask that genuinely, the answer is no. Like, you know, I think a lot of brands produce stuff and it's, and I ask them like, well, would you want to read this? And they say, well, no. So well, why would your audience, right? Well, who cares? So I, I think that's where it starts is you, you have to have an honest conversation with yourself or pull in other people outside of the sphere of maybe your marketing group to say, is this something you'd actually care about? Does this yeah. matter? Is this content you want to engage with? If the answer is yes, then I think you've really got something there. Um, so that's one, that's one place I like to start, you know, from there, you have to ask yourself is what I'm producing actually useful and helpful to people. Like we talked about earlier, is this something that is adding something to the world in a unique way and a helpful way? Uh, one specific example that I've seen wild success with is the concept of original research or bringing original data to the table. Uh, it can be as complicated as running a whole study and getting results from it. Um, but it can also be as simple as just reporting back on some of the things that you're doing, um, whether it's a case study or just internal examples, client examples, whatever. All those sort of concrete examples that's based on a real life scenario is now you're adding original original research or original thought as opposed to just restating something that, uh, you know, anyone out there on the Internet can say. You know, that, that's a great point. Let me let me elaborate on it just a little bit and, and uh, get your feedback on this. So if it, using that um, example, and I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to use the word additive. So let's say that there is a whole bunch of knowledge in the search results. If I were to, if I were to think about the topic and put it in Google search, I'm either going to get a lot of really good results or I'm going to realize that no one's really answered the question. It seems like that through original research or through some of the, some of the topics is that it might be an interesting strategy to be additive and to answer questions or topics that haven't really been addressed as opposed to, you know, trying to sneak your way into the top 10 of something that already is pretty saturated. 
um, just sound like a good strategy? Yeah, it's it's probably been uh, it's essentially what you're describing is one of the most effective strategies I've seen in the past five years with SEO. So to use an example, we, we worked with a, a third party PR agency, actually, who had a bunch of uh, press contacts. And so it was a collaborative effort where we were able to generate a piece of original research. We were able to conduct a study, really hone in on the right audience, um, generate some really fascinating results. We had all this data. Then we created what we called a content asset, which was a long form, uh, in-depth piece of content that had that original data. It's, you know, it's got great graphs and imagery and insights and a summary. Uh, in the example we did, we did it back in 2020, you know, it was about the culture of Americans working from home. It's such a buzzworthy thing at the moment. There wasn't much information about what was going on. So we were able to put together this piece of content, then leverage the PR agency to go out and reach out to all these different press contacts. And the thing, the thing ended up getting featured in over 300 different publications on the internet, almost all of them in turn linking back to the content asset on our site. Um, but it was that combination of like, What's something people are interested in? What's some original data we can bring to the equation? And then how do we figure out a way to promote that, get it out online in front of other people that might be interested in it? And it's kind of a one plus one plus one equals five scenario. And it absolutely right. took off. And that's just one example of uh, others, similars that we've done that is some of the most effective techniques I think you can do, be doing with content right now. So you said something interesting in there. Uh about how helpful the content is. And you also said in the you or me question, you know, would, would, would I want, would I want to read this? How important would it be to actually maybe listen to even talk to someone in your target audience and ask them that question? Like, would it be worth the effort to have that 15 or 20 minute conversation with someone that's either, uh, you know, ICP and B2B are a, you know, target audience and consume whatever it might be. I mean, is it, would that be worth the effort? Well, it's kind of incredible to me that people don't do that more or by people. I mean, we as marketers, because uh, there's no more buzzworthy word in marketing than audience, <laughs> but how often do people actually do what you just said? I, I think we, we should absolutely be doing that and doing it all the time. Just having a, it, you know, a great example I've seen is uh, so I'm working with an agency right now. They, they run paid search and most of their primary contacts are CMOs um, at, at external firms. And we did this project where we said, let's just go grab our favorite CMOs. You know, they're clients, they're friendly, they like them. Grab our half dozen of our CMOs and just ask them that question. What are you looking at online? What, what, what do you want to find? What aren't you finding? And the results were amazing, just eye opening to realize the kinds of places they go, where they search. That's just one example. But absolutely, we should always be just asking the audience what they want, what they care about. And then you can actually do something with it as opposed to making assumptions. Um, you know, you can learn a lot from an analytics program that tells you about who your audience is and what we think they mm -hmm. want. But you really can't get at the core information until you ask the question like you just suggested. Yeah. Okay. So let's say we're, we're kind of putting together a, a plan here. It sounds like, like, let's say you, you talk to the audience and you, they, they tell you things they're interested in, uh, things that may not even been written about. And then, uh, you, you, you hunker down, you plan out the content you're going to produce, whatever that content plan looks like. All right. 
Now I come to a stopping point. Someone's got to write this. We already talked about AI and what it can and can't do. Can you provide any insights, our pros and cons of having your internal resources who have other jobs to do, but then also are the true experts, the subject matter experts, do the writing versus hiring even a brand writer or a freelancer or somebody to come in and do the writing for you? Like I, I get this question all the time. And, and on one hand, it, it saves money to do it internal. And it seems like that's the best way to do it. However, pe people have jobs <laughs> and writing is hard. Uh, writing's also, you're either a good writer or a bad writer. So how, talk a little bit about, uh, using your own internal resources to write and produce creative or working with an external resource. Like what, talk a little bit about that. You have to have three things, the internal resource, a writer and good tools. So let's go back to the financial services firms, uh, as an example of this. The people that work at those firms are often some of the smartest people out there. You get some borderline geniuses that know so much about finance or accounting or whatever. So the trick is, how do you tap into that knowledge? Because they are also almost universally really bad writers, or even worse, they're really bad writers who think they're pretty good writers. <laughs> so the, the combination we've found that has really worked in this industry, but I think it applies to any, is first of all, get yourself a good writer. Even in today's age, I still believe that a good writer is worth their weight in gold because they can do things that tools can't still. I, I believe that. And that starts with having a good writer sit down with the internal resource and, and extract as much knowledge out of them as you can. So we love to do discovery sessions or just Q&A sessions. Just get them to say it on everything, you know, capture it in notes, capture it in a tool, record it, get your AI-based summary, whatever. But now you've got the core information. So the writers heard it. We've extracted the knowledge from uh, the resource. And then I think a writer working in conjunction with tools can do amazing things. So you can use tools to you know, create outlines or think about aspects that you haven't looked at before. Or I think it's really important to go out there and look at the competition. What are they saying? What aren't they saying? Where are the gaps and what's out there? Not just in pieces that have been produced, but what's either is or isn't out on the internet. Tools can help make that part of the process really fast. And I think when you combine those three things, then you can come back with a, hopefully a really good high quality piece of content that's got the human touch, it's leveraged the, you know, the automation of the tools. And most importantly, it's extracting that expertise, authority, and trust from the, the insider who really knows this stuff. Yeah, no, good point. So it's not a, uh, it's not a yes, no, binary, true, false. Uh, it's usually, it, it's actually all of the above. So yeah. well, and don't rely on AI. Don't rely on an external writer. Also, don't rely on your internal resource. It takes all three to, uh, you know, to run the, to, to, to get the engine to run, uh, to, to do this right. Okay, good. Um, so let, let's say I've, I've, I, I've done this, right? Like I did the research, I planned the content, I then wrote it and it's out there. How do I know if it's working? How do I measure? How do I see it? How do I see it? Yeah, that's a tough question. Um, because I think the honest answer is there, there is no way to quantify it perfectly. You can, or directly, I should say. Uh, it's just not because a lot of this stuff is objective. Now, that doesn't mean that you shouldn't have KPIs and you can't measure some of this stuff because uh, you absolutely should. I, I you know, sound like a politician here, but I like to answer that question with another question often to, 
to people trying to do this and say, okay, well, what does success look like for you? What are you actually trying to do here? You're trying to drive traffic to your site? You're trying to build a channel? You're trying to get people to watch a video? You're trying to get people to convert? Um, what does that look like? And I think if you know the answer to that, that can be your true north. And then that can also inform how you do a lot of the other things that are trying to point people towards a certain thing. To use the paid search agency example, they're not interested in traffic. They're interested in conversions from the right people who are, who are engaging with their content. So in that case, how do you measure it? Well, you can measure it by things like, is it getting social shared on certain networks in which we're producing it? Um, is it driving form fills off the content that's being produced? And at the end of the day, like has any revenue been generated off this effort? Those are the specific examples you can go there. Um, so I think there's, you know, there's a broad box of tools you can pull from, you know, you can look at things like your backlinks and, you know, Moz industry tools trying to do a thing called brand authority, or you're measuring that and you can, you can use AI tools to sort of like evaluate your content and it gives you a score. Um, but to me, I suppose the answer is, and this is always the worst answer, but it depends. It depends on what you're trying to do and then lean into that as a way to build some specific KPIs for your exact program. That's how you measure EAT as best or as directly as possible. Right. What do you think though? I'm, I'm really curious to your take on this one. Cause we, you know, we, this was a big question uh, thrown out ahead of time. And I thought, I wonder how Chuck would answer that. Probably much better than me. Well, I, I think all of the things that you said are absolutely true. That if you want to accomplish traffic or conversions or form fills or revenue, are just, you know, uh, pipeline, you know, sales, whatever it is you're measuring, all of the things we're talking about are important. Eat, as it relates to search visibility and organic traffic, eat is the key. I guess when I hear those, to me, they're lagging indicators. Mm. I wonder if there's some leading indicators. And I, I want to use two examples one is very algorithmic and, and I and I I don't know if it's the right thing or not, but I I would start to look for Google answer boxes. Mm, yeah. Because if I'm putting out very specific like if, if I'm if I'm on point, I'm gonna be answering questions that people are asking Google. And I'm I'm gonna win an answer box. Um that'd be one way. Now of course yeah, that takes some jump in to jump in there too, that could increasingly also probably be like the generative search results. There you go. Kind of the latest version of answer boxes. Exactly. So yes. So, um, so, so no, it's great. So there, there's three ways uh, with uh, generative search being scheduled to launch soon, but starting with, you got the Google answer box, you have generative search. And since you're, you're, you're mentioning generative search, I've often tried to see what AI would say. And if the brand decided, like if you're if if you're doing eat and you're doing all the things across the internet you should do and AI is crawling the internet to answer questions, then your brand should show up. Like that that you would you would actually be the answer when someone types something into Chat GBT or Claw or Bard or you know today I heard a woodpecker showed up uh, you know in in some country as their AI tool. But uh, yeah, so those would be three different ways. You have a leading indicator like art. You know, what, how is your content showing up to the AI? And those would be different ways that, that you would see as leading indicators. Now, to go completely in a different example, um, and this only works, there's this a different application, but I'm going to use a B2B application first. Will the sales team share it? Mm. 
if yeah. you if you are producing content that the audience and prospects are truly interested related to form fills and lead gen you the sales the sales team cares and the hit rate with sales team caring one one they have to engage but let's not go down that part but uh um like the the hit rate is really low as a marketer it's really hard to get the sales team to care about the content that I'm creating because honestly it may not resonate with the audience quite the way I'm looking for because I'm doing other things so so the sales team can can really give you thumbs up or th thumbs down maybe that's a way better version of the you test we'll call it the sales team test yeah right do they do um, they care do they care now in in a, in a similar note if you're in ecom um i start to think about uh not does the customer care because we can't quite get there. The, the closest thing in e-com you'll get is the customer service desk. Mm, sure. And right behind that would be what's happening. I, I hate to use this example, but but what's happening in your reviews? Um, because you'll often find that, that, that the reviews, whether they're positive or negative in sediment, it's what the target customer cares about. Uh, and you can, you can really, you can really pick it up there. Now, of course, if it's a, you know, if it's food and beverage, they're going to, you know, there's going to be a taste component you can't, you can't really get at, but you know, what, what, you know, what were people trying to buy your product for in the first place and did the product meet that and did they, you know, whatever it might be, but that the, the, usually the customer service team or the, the, is where I can go and say to you, what do you think about this? general concept, not about a specific piece of content necessarily, but I think in both of those cases, what you hear me saying is I'm looking for an internal proxy to get their qualitative feedback. And then I'm looking for, from the algorithm, some quantitative feedback. And I'm using those as leaders because if I can get it right up front, then later, yes, I know I'm affecting the lagging indicators of revenue, pipeline, uh, you know, sales, whatever it might be. So, uh, but those are some examples. Like it, it is one of the hardest things to measure because it's so abstract and it's so foundational. Other things are built on top of it. You want a backlink because you're trying to build authority, but really, you know, a backlink by itself doesn't do that. It's Maybe there's uh, it's all contextual. Kind of thinking, thinking about that, you know, trying to distill down the answer. It's as predicted. It's a better answer than I gave. Um, but, uh, you know, there's, there's this idea that with the way search is going, there's increasing importance on the idea of being the source. So being the source of information that gets out there, right? Because because Google, we all know Google. For a long time, Google was the best at like finding the sources and putting it at the top of the 10 blue links. AI is really just doing the same thing. It's just able to like in a more fancy way sort of say it back to you, but it's still pulling from a source, right? It has to come from somewhere. So I think, especially at that algorithmic level you're talking about, a way to measure it is to, is to look at the different ways to say, am I seen as the source on this or am I just a regurgitator of what the industry or the world at large yeah, is putting Right, out no, I like there? that. So are you breaking the news? Are you yeah. curating it? Yeah. Are, are you the Atlantic coming out with like a really in-depth, you know, story about something in sports that's really interesting? Or are you, you know, a sports blog that's scraping that, re rewording it and putting it out there? I mean, you, you can have success doing both models, but one of which is way more known and trusted. And I would say has way higher eat. Right. There you go. So be the source. Um, I like that. I like that. Okay. For someone who's a brand marketer, 
or a founder CEO of a of a younger company, uh, maybe CMO, whatever it might be, or even you're at you're at agency and you're, you're you're trying to wrap your mind around this because you you know SEO, but you're not a you're not a 15 year veteran like yourself. Where do I start? So, and I and I know that that this is a tricky question, but like you just gotta take a stab in the dark. Like where? How, how do I start? What, what's a few things that I can do immediately after learning all this to improve my eat, to think about eat, to, 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 to execute, to implement, where do I start? Well, to build off something we just said, you can go Google yourself, see what shows up, see if you are the source, see what everyone else is saying about you online. You know, that's not a bad way to get a little benchmarking. Uh, another place I'd start is I think you have to take a really, tough introspective look at the content you're producing today uh and and that probably involves getting some outside feedback uh not even necessarily from an agency you know an agency or a marketing type is going to want to come in and audit and tell you all this stuff like start asking your customers start asking your sales team like you said ask your internal people does this work i can't tell me tell you how many times i've had employees of the brand sort of show up into a marketing meeting because they're like, hey, there's been some stuff about what we're doing or about our website that's been bugging me. Can I talk to you guys about it? And all of a sudden they'll rattle off like 10 absolutely solid gold ideas that, you know, it, it almost leaves the internal team or the marketers looking at each other like, well, you know, why didn't we, why aren't we talking about that? Or why didn't we think about that? You know, so, right. so never underestimate the value of those outside people coming in and getting that, you know, take a tough evaluation, look at yourself. Um, those are a, a few places to start. And then, um, you know, and then, and then start to build your plan. You know, how do you eat an elephant one bite at a time? So you, you can't change eat overnight. You can't do it quickly, unfortunately, but what you can do is start to identify perhaps the biggest areas where you are deficient or where you're not showing some of these things. Maybe it's as simple as adding some authorship bios on your posts. Maybe it's, you know, maybe it's coming up with a content plan for the next quarter that actually generates something useful. Maybe it's looking at your service pages and trying to make them not just sell everything to people, but actually try to add something useful to the world. Um, you know, you, you have to come up with a, that plan is going to be unique to anyone, but you have to start to think about what are the things I can start to chip away at. Um, and then you go from there. Those are, those are some starting places anyway to, to think about. All right. Great. Um, so in closing, I have one question for you. So I, I came across a website uh, called the 14ers. And on the 14ers, you're noted in Zambo. Where'd Zambo Indeed. come from? That's a college uh, nickname. I was in a fraternity in college. I used to play a bunch of hockey. And uh, so they named me Zamboni. It's got shortened as Zambo. They were originally, I'm a big Red Wings fan. We're originally from Michigan and uh, they were originally going to name me Forsberg, which is like was one of the main Avalanche players who had a big rivalry with the Red Wings. But they thought that might scare me off, so they went with Zamboni. It was Zamboni. So, and then Zamboni. Uh, you know, about half my friends don't even remember my first name anymore. I'm just Zambo to them. All right, got it. All right, Zambo. Well, uh, thanks for your time today. Thanks for sharing uh, your experience, expertise, authority, and trust with us. Um, we'll talk soon. All right. Thanks, Chuck. All right. Thank you.